Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Battlefield Earth, starring John Travolta, Barry Pepper, and Forrest Whitaker. Written by J.D. Shapiro and Corey Mandel, based on the book by L. Ron Hubbard, and directed by Roger Christian. Well, there's a lot of people in there that I don't know about. Right. (laughs) Familiar names, not. Oh my gosh. Okay, welcome back to Rice Smile Films. Apparently, the films we've been recording are too good, and we decided to mix it up with some, some pretty terrible film offerings. And man, we went like from zero to 60 as fast as possible with this film. We'd never seen it before. That was a rough rye watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was brand new for both of us. And I think it's all clear now the reputation that this particular film has. It's lived up to it. <laughs> we didn't go gently. We went right in. And, oh, yeah, uh, pretty funny. Came across delivered in spades. <laughs> so much leverage. Anyway. Big, big change though, right? So last time we did this purposely, which was the worst of DC, we drank bad. We're going to drink it today. This is Weller's. Mm-hmm. Um Single uh, original weeded bourbon. This is the Antique 107. Red labeled. A uh, big deal about Weller's is it's weeded instead of like rye. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious. I'm, I can't wait. So yep. here we go. This is new too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think what I smelled there. Honey? Yeah, I get some honey notes. It's got a real strong start, but a pretty mellow finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I always feel or taste, regardless whether it's rye or weeded, there's always that hint of pepper. Yeah. And I got that here, too. When you first take that initial breathe in. Yeah. By the way, for everybody out there, we learned this. When you're smelling your, your liquor, it's best if you keep your mouth open at the same time. Yeah. It helps to actually kind of... Your olfactory process. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's pretty Interesting. good. Interesting, yeah. Nice. And, and then we have another Weller that we're going to probably bring on here within the next couple months or whatnot. Yeah. After we finished the podcast last weekend, we had a big liquor run. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get into that story, but... We have so much bourbon in our both our houses right now. It's crazy plentiful supply for the next coming weeks so indeed we're gonna drink well during that time right so let's go ahead and get started and let's get to our flight This movie had music. I couldn't even hum you what this thing sounded like. We, this is interesting. We didn't really discuss a flight or a nightcap question this week. Um, I actually have an, an idea of what we can kind of do in its stead. Okay. Be a little more casual this week. That way we, the film's going to beat the hell out of us. Uh, for the flight, I want to talk about some recent movie news that kind of happened this week. And it's certainly a phone conversation that you and I had. Mm-hmm. So earlier this week, it was announced that Michael Keaton is returning to the role of Batman Bruce Wayne in DC's inevitable film of Flash, which I guess they're going to talk about. It's going to be the Flashpoint story arc, which for those of you that it's like the multiple parallel universes. What do you think of that? 
Well, well we we spoke about it in Batman eighty nine. Yeah, and it certainly was something in the fanboy world that we all kind of looked at and thought, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. And how could they work it? And apparently they found a way to do that. So I guess my initial reaction is I'm quite curious to see what version of Michael Keaton's Batman it's going to be portrayed as or look like on screen. Yeah. But I think just on initial reaction, if you like his Batman, I don't know how you can't be kind of jazzed about overjoyed with this yeah yeah Yeah, that's pretty cool one to ten where are you with that yeah probably about a seven or an eight okay i need to see what the film looks like in itself and make sure it's not just fan service wow (laughs) i guess that's just the definition of fan service and what's is it a cameo or is it actually a part or what exactly is that Mm going to be but that film's been gestating for years it seems like uh, the people that have come and gone from the director's chair is just endless. Mm-hmm. Right now it's in the hands of Andy and Barbara Machete who did the It Chapter 1 and 2. So maybe there's some traction there that they can get this thing kind of finished, but I, I just don't know what state DC's timeline is in because this is weird. So you're going to bring back an old Batman and then you're going to redo the Justice League, the Snyder Cut with... Ben Affleck again, and in the same year you're introducing a brand new Batman with Robert Pattinson. I mean, there there's a lot of Batman floating around. This is like having like three Iron Men at the same time. Marvel's trying to do its own thing. I've always argued that in the DC universe, Batman almost has a carved out universe mm-hmm. to himself. From Azrael to the Birds of Prey and all of these side supporting characters that have either joined in some capacity and teamed up with him or gone on to their own things. Mm-hmm. I think this is an unenviable task in this regard. To write? <laughs> to yeah. make? Yeah, to write it. Yeah, Because not only are you having multiple timelines and which Joker are you going to use and what Batman are you going to use and what time frame is it and what what universe is it is it in, now take all of that, which DC's done a grand job of screwing up on high. <laughs> And then add to it multiple Batman and multiple villains. You know, Flashpoint would be about the only way you could do it. And once we start getting into Earth 17 and 18. Yeah, it gets messy. I'm out. Yeah. So, you know, you and I cried a lot about in-game and time travel and Flashpoint is that. I know. So some good and some bad. Um, reservations <clears throat> are high, but I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't know what type of trajectory. It, like I I think I joked about you with, uh, on the phone about this. I was like, man, this would be total hell to explain to my parents. Like if like I was like ten and we're going to the movies and I'm like we're gonna go see Batman. I'm like no, it's not that Batman we saw there. This is a, it's is its own new thing. That's its own self contained. They would be so lost. Batman A B or C. Yeah, exactly. In the DC universe, A B C or mm-hmm. D or just snap and fix it. I know. I don't know. Next year is going to be real interesting to to see how they balance a lot of that. But yeah, that was kind of kind of the big news. I always kind of thought Michael Keaton would be good to, if you wanted to bring him back to do like a Batman Beyond, yeah, futuristic, older Bruce Wayne, showing the ropes to a new young protege. Yeah, well, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. If it's bad, the good news is it will only be bad and notarized or recognized as such for about a week because there's going to be a deluge of film after film after film after film after film. It's going to be a mess. 
So we'll see. And um, any like projections on release date yet or just sort of ballparking it fall of kind of thing? Yeah, I'll believe it when they start filming. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see about that. Because, yeah, there's always those roadblocks, roadblocks to come, you know, to that just make you stumble about. Like, I, I swear we've been talking about a Flash pre-Ezra Miller fr- mm-hmm. fr- Flash. I think we've been talking about that one for a very long time. And it always seems like it's getting that in Uncharted, which... <laughs> well, the three that were always kind of the laughably in development hell were Wonder Woman, uh-huh. Flash, yeah, and... Um, you just said it. Um, Uncharted? Uncharted. Mm-hmm. One of those is still in Devo Hell. Wonder Woman finally got out, and there's been everyone in the world, including Eva Longoria Parker, one time connected to that role. So that was like almost a decade mm-hmm. to get done. Flash has got to be going on six, seven years, and maybe we'll eventually see it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, and honestly, yeah. as much as this has been the roller coaster of greenlit, hit the brakes, greenlit, hit the brakes, new script, start over, greenlit, hit the brakes. This could all go to hell tomorrow and it could all be like that, be done again. So get your (laughs) hopes up, but temper that with a bit of caution there, Rye Nation, because we've seen this story play out many times. Talk about going to hell. I can't wait to talk about this film and (laughs) and the the production aspect of how this film even got made. Well, the truth is if you go to hell, there's good news. Yeah. It'll be better than watching that movie. That was like a line from the movie. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Let's get right to it in our review breakdown of Battlefield Earth. Here we go. This is all the medicine I could find. I'm sorry. The gods took your father in the night. We set up a couple things right away, don't we? <laughs> plenty of some slow motion sequences oh. and plenty of Dutch camera angles. Oh my god! And wipes. Oh, screen man. wipes. Lots of those. I think every angle was a Dutch angle. I don't think this film was ever the the, the camera was ever set on a flat plane. After you made that comment about ten minutes in, I paid attention, and other than a couple of the sequences in jail, where we were tied on Carl, whatever his whatever the hell the guy's name from Sons of Anarchy Oh, Carlo. Is. Carlo. Mm-hmm. That was it. But we do create a really strong beginning character arc here for Barry Pepper. <laughs> and that is the contrarian agnostic yeah. in search of a better place where there's resources that will feed his people more effectively than the myths and the fear that seems to have fed them up to this point. You know what movie this reminds me of? And it's oh, it's equally as bad. I'm surprised we didn't consider it for this this cask. Ten thousand BC. Oh jeez. Have you ever seen that? Roland Emmerich killed him. Killed legendary, didn't it? Uh, Legendary's still churning around, but it wasn't a good it wasn't a good film for them. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few times I've fallen asleep in the theater while watching a movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it, this. Kind of like a similar premise. So yeah, Barry Pepper's character's name is Johnny Goodboy Tyler. <laughs> Brutal. Wow. I don't know why. I don't know why. So let's talk about Pepper for just a minute. Barry Pepper? Four things off the top of my head okay. that Barry Pepper's outstanding in. Mm-hmm. 61, mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, 25th Hour, Three Barrels of Melchiatus Estrada. Yeah. Four really good films. Mm-hmm. Two of those being in maybe my top 10 to 15 ever. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I know sometimes people make Nicolas Cage strange choices in what they choose to perform in. Yeah. And everybody's allowed to slip up here. Forrest Whitaker's in this film too. Academy Award winning actor. Maybe multiple. I'm not sure if he's got, I know he's been nominated at least a couple times. He has one at least. One at least, and I didn't know if he won one for uh, Good Morning Vietnam and supporting and then Ghost Dog, but I know that that's been Idi Amin, the Edie, role is Idi Amin locked up on his mantle, and deservedly so. There is some talent in this film, yeah. and I know we can laugh at Travolta, but I'll also say there are moments that John Travolta hasn't been entirely awful Pulp either. fiction, blowout. Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. Grease, for that matter. I mean, yeah. yeah. John Travolta's, I mean, there's times he's been also really terrible, like Michael. <laughs> that movie sucks, doesn't it? Forgot all about Man, that's Michael. a bad, the angel. What about that other one, Phenomenon? Yeah, that was bad, too. Doesn't he get, like, struck by lightning and uh-huh. he can, like, talk Chant- to the cyclos or something? <laughs> <laughs> he is a cyclo in this. Okay, so a, You're bit, right. a You're... bit of talent, though, no, right? That's, I've always thought that about John Travolta. Like, this is, like, kind of, like, not, like, a great knocking his uh filmography for him but like <laughs> no. it, he's always been like yeah whether it's pulp fiction and blowout specifically those two films oh, yeah, i forget that right uh no he's great um sometimes <laughs> but this seems to be like a weird turn for him because everything like post this film is kind of like unbelievably schlocky wild hogs well he's so bad now he's a parody of himself even at the oscar awards when mm-hmm. he can't get a name right how the hell do you mispronounce Adina Manzel to Adina La Vizinda? <laughs> what, what? Were you speaking Cyclo? That was so funny. And that was the second year in a row he'd done that. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Travolta's had his share of controversy over the last decade, yeah. whether it's massage parlors or whatever the hell it might be. Certainly yeah. some of the affiliations that he ties himself to in a secular or non-secular way. Mm-hmm. But all that aside, and I'm sure we're going to get into that at some point, all that aside... I feel like I talk about this every so often and it's broken record, but you have to have enough self-awareness that when you're sitting there with the script or your agent says, Hey Barry, I know you kind of right on the launching pad. You kind of have the look. I got a great project for you. I've got something (laughs) for you. Science fiction. Okay. Pretty cool. What am I kind of like this savage protagonist that takes the cause of every man and, sort of champions the cause of like a burgeoning reemergence of caveman like intellect in a super tech. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then the script comes across his desk and he doesn't, I, what? I wonder how often that happens. I wonder like if an agent or a manager goes to an actor and says, Hey, I got this great idea. I've read the script. You're going to love it. And how many times the actors don't read the script? Well, does maybe and, somebody owe somebody a favor? Yeah, maybe. Maybe someone owes somebody a favor, Serenity. And uh, <laughs> he said to throw that in there. And I just wonder if, like, because, like, if I was an actor and I read this, I would it'd be, like, the biggest hard pass ever with without knowing who's involved in it. I mean, the, the choices directorially are so distracting from the film. No, it's I, not a big enough budget. The camera angles suck. You can tell that this director who we've... If you have never heard of him... Yeah. Because you spend more time in that space on this than I do. Mm-hmm. And you're like, shrug me the shoulders with, I don't know who this guy is. Like you have some knock job who <clears> is <throat> maybe just a friend of the church. No, seriously. No, yeah. No, right. No, so did a couple like how-to videos or I, I don't know, Jesse. But 
that being aside, Pepper doesn't know what the directorial look is going to be, but he does know what the script is because he read it unless he didn't. And you know what? Mm-hmm. If he didn't, yeah, that's on you, man. Yeah. I just, I wonder how often that happens. And it's not like in the interview with mm. Variety, when you're promoting your film, you're like, I didn't read this script until I got into it. You know what I mean? Well, he has a manager mm-hmm. and an agent, and they had to have been like, dude, there's, really? You're going to do this film? What? I, we've got three or four other projects for you right now. Like, you're you're about to go. Yeah. Like, this is about to go for you. You couldn't find a role for Barry Pepper in X-Men, which came out this same year? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's exasperating. Yeah. Because I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he's one of maybe the four or five that I can just mm-hmm. right up top of my head. Mm-hmm. There are things that actors do. Joel Kinnaman's in this way. William H. Macy, I would mention in that regard. Mm-hmm. Choices that actors and actresses make that absolutely derail careers. And they might bring them back in some regard, but never to the place that... Because Barry, Barry Pepper is really versatile mm-hmm. and young enough to play a lot of different roles. Yeah. But I don't know about after this. He, he got, I mean, he got a couple, but he kind of reminds me of Ben Foster a little bit. Oh, well, okay. There's another good one. Yeah. I love the mechanic mm-hmm. with Statham. Mm-hmm. Great film. And Hell or High Water. But, well, 310 to Yuma. Oh, that one's 30 great. Days of Night. That one's great. Yeah. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Barry Pepper is the poor decision making <laughs> working man's Ben Foster. <laughs> that's very, very appropriate. All right. So that's a lot about that. Let's get back to this story. Yeah. Is it a story? Well, so he comes back in that audio clip and his dad's passed away. So he puts some berries and put some rocks on top. Of okay. It. So I have to stop you right there. <laughs> this is the first minute of the movie. It is. I kept waiting for that. To bit. C- come back. So we see him in some state of mourning, just moving rocks around, mm-hmm. not in some altar or in some ceremonial funeral pyre, just out in the terrain just kind of fiddling around with some rocks, but like with a purpose short, that didn't make any sense. No, and the film doesn't linger on that aspect of his father's relationship at all. It moves right along. But we do know pretty early on that he's at odds with some of the tribal beliefs of his people. Mm -hmm. They are waiting for the day that these gods shall return, having been forsaken, and not only rid the demons that plague these savage, small, intellected, poorly fed communities, but then will return man to a position of grandeur. Yep. Barry Pepper doesn't believe any of that. He asked, has anybody ever seen any of these? Does it, does anyone believe this? A beast. (laughs) And then, yeah, exactly. And then the tribal chieftain almost beats the hell out of him. Yeah. So he says, I'm going to, I'm going to go find a food. Yeah. Food, a better sanctuary for us. This is what cracks me up. Probably the most about this is, you know, usually these science fiction films, this is obviously post-apocalyptic film too. This is year 3000. Something's happened to the earth. You might take a new, uh, new York City, Los Angeles. Hell, I'd even take Chicago. No, man, we're in Denver, Colorado. Denver. That's so weird. <laughs> Look, I love Denver, but like, man, it's like, he's like one step to the left from injuring a Casa Bonita and like. <laughs> well, maybe L. Ron Hubbard walked through there airport and saw that strange mural and thought this is the perfect place to do this odd story yeah that airport's supposed to be like an illuminati thing right 
So, <laughs> no, really. This is where I'll set my crazy story. <laughs> this place seems really open to this kind of thinking. That's so, that's just so weird. It's like when the title came out, it's like Denver. <laughs> so here's one thing that struck me in this film. Okay. They didn't really have enough money to do this grand scope of science fiction battle that they wanted to do. Now there's times where it kind of works and we sort of had to talk about a few explosions and the fire and this and that, that kind of worked. But if you choose to use Denver and highlight the environment, then go ahead and use that because you know what it is? It's free Mm -hmm. because you can be savage and you can appreciate the soul and the karma and the, one with natureness and the stream and the voices in the river and all that shit. You can play in all that. Mm -hmm. And it would have worked in this film as his people have devolved to a very unscientific state. You do sort of become nature's pawn. And with that offer it vast amounts of undue respect that at least creates a savage primal feeling in your people. Yeah. And you know what? Like I said, it's free. Yeah. So when they have, the bad guys have ray guns, you have spears. See Predator mm-hmm. from two weeks ago. Yeah. Well done with that. Yep. And in fact, it kind of plays out to his advantage. Mm-hmm. But this movie just shit cans all that. Yep. And decides almost immediately that we're going to go full industrial megapolis science fiction route. Yeah, exactly. And the planet's called... Cyclo. Yep. The planet that the, the they're guy, from. They're from the planet Cyclo, the race of Cyclos, which are these, they're big, these eight foot tall, dreadlock wearing aliens with gigantic feet and strange hands. <laughs> and you see, this is what was weird about the hands. Usually, this is like something I could care less about, but like they're obviously supposed to be bigger hands. But like, I don't think they put enough like material in the tips because when they grip the guns, like the tips are like bending in like rubber. Right. You know what it looked like to me? You know, when you're like at a basketball game and the halftime entertainment is the two dudes in the blow up sumo suits. Oh, to yeah, wrestle. Yeah. That's what I felt like their hands were. Kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. it didn't fully fit. And they're just like, they have to squeeze this weapon and it's just like, oh, okay. That's bad. Yes. Can I talk a little bit about just the road to this, this film? I, I, yes. I, yes. I can't wait. Cause you said, I'm going to just sit here and listen. Cause you said there was no money, but that, that might've been a lie. Oh, that'd be a first time on this. Okay. So. Uh, based on the book by L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of the Church of Scientology. So obviously it has all those ties to that aspect of that religion. So when Travolta kind of got involved with the Church of Scientology, like mid seventies, he became like pretty prominent in its ranks and, and whatnot. So can I ask you one quick question? Yeah. Before or after his um, performance and blowout? Because I can't imagine De Palma put up with that shit. Before. He was in the Church of Scientology before he did Blowout? Yeah. He was already a member. Yeah, mid-70s. No shit. Yeah, so once he's assumed these 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 ranks here, he's he's been trying to... Tried to help get this made, and it wasn't until like post-Pulp Fiction he kind of got a little bit more pull back in Hollywood. So Hollywood is very aware of... Scientology and it's well man we even drove past it when we were in Los Angeles it's big shiny asylum yep <laughs> purple asylum yep 
no one wants to touch this thing. So I, I have I have some quotes here of of what this <clears throat> unnamed executive said this. On any film there are ten variables that can kill you. On this film there was an eleventh and it was Scientology. It just wasn't something anyone wanted to get involved with. Yeah, like I can't I can't blame you uh, on that. But there was a little fledgling company uh, in the early late nineties, early two thousands that I guess for actors was very friendly because it's franchise pictures and they uh, kind of stood their ground on being able to fund actors' passion projects. So if you came to that studio with the film that Fox and Warner Brothers or Disney or Universal didn't want to touch with the 10-foot pole because of budget, concept, etc., franchise was willing to give those actors a chance. They made such... Um, Hang on, I have some some lists here. Franchise Pictures was involved in such great films as Fear.com, Get Carter with Sylvester Stallone, Driven with Sylvester Stallone. Have you ever seen that? That's the indie car racing movie directed by Rennie Harlan, also starring Burt Reynolds. Yes, actually. <laughs> it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Ballistic X versus Sever, mm-hmm. and then A Sound of Thunder. And these movies aren't cheap. They're all in the 70 to like $80 million range. And I looked... You can look on their Wikipedia page because they have budget next to, um, like, their grosses. None of them, like, like only maybe one or two, and I think the whole nine yards was one of them, that made more than its budget. So they're, like, taking losses on all of these, all of these films. This is hilarious to me. So the studio head at that uh, franchise, Ellie Samaha, I might be pronouncing that wrong, said there's no ways uh, I'm going to lose because uh, if this movie does $35 million domestically, um, I'll win because no Travolta movie action film has grossed below that. This film made $29 million worldwide. My goodness. <laughs> so it didn't even make the 35 quota. But this is the best part of the story, Mac, because you mentioned uh, not having uh, a budget. So allegedly the budget for this film is $75 million. You wouldn't be able to tell that watching the film because... They cut corners left and right easily. So the actual budget of this film is like thirty-five million. Yeah. On the books, they said it was seventy-five million, and it wasn't until like two thousand seven the FBI did like uh, an investigation and an audit. Let me guess: the Church of Scientology River, like Mm-mm. no, it wasn't. Scientology wasn't involved. It was franchise pictures. Accounting was involved because on this film, all oh, the whole nine yards. Uh, and there's a couple other films in there. They were padding the budget books, saying that they cost $75 million when they only cost 35 And I think just pocketing that extra money as a studio. Wow. They, yeah, sued, went bankrupt in 2007. <laughs> Troubled, to say the least. Yeah. But it also kind of makes sense as to why maybe they chose such loser pictures. Because that was just a big loss. And it looked splashy enough to where it might, on the surface, sort of justify that price point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I said earlier, I don't know if this movie had the money. I kind of, it kind of felt like fifty to fifty-five, maybe sixty. But that's not a range you want to be in. Kiss of death, and in science fiction, it's pretty much undoable unless it's maybe like Alien. And I think I told you too. I was like, I was like, I can't think of another genre where, like, man, if you don't kind of go all in on science fiction, it you can tell. This is like borderline science uh, sci-fi channel, like original movie, like Sharknado. Yeah, that's fair. Level of like effects. 
Uh, yeah, and it's and it's at that time too when we're we're starting to become a little more reliant on it, and they're showing up a little bit more, but they're not quite like good yet. Like we're not like at like Thanos level character rendering. Right. Everything's really. <laughs> you made a great joke uh, towards the end. There was like at least that explosion looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> they do a decent job with the fire, but that's CGI. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's. It's a lot of bad. Yeah, and all deserved. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. What about the look? Of the cyclos. No, I'm glad you brought that up. No CGI, basically just stilts and costumes or elevator shoes and costumes. So yeah. let's go. Tell me what you think. No, I was thinking about that watching. I was, I was like, I don't even think this world is any captivating because I don't like the look of them. Right. I don't like the world that they've established for them. The backstory is so convoluted and their goals are equally convoluted. Yeah, I wasn't able to kind of like buy into the world. You know, you know what distracted me the most? What? You're going to think hair. Is it the, the nose thing? No, that was absurd. <laughs> okay. So there's kind of a very poorly developed theme in this about the use of breathable air. Mm-hmm. They never really kind of hashed that out and who can breathe where and what the cause is. So insert a heavy dose of Cohagen and maybe we can figure that out. But that was two weeks ago. Nice. I know. Yeah. What was really distracting to me, and I mean in an American hustle kind of way that oh. kind of ruined the movie, like plunging necklines and semi-cleavage because you haven't chose really kind of cleavage sort of gals yeah dude it was their teeth oh okay yeah i was gonna go with that next there's dreads Mm -hmm. there's those weird fingers there's the breathing apparatus on the nose there's their size and what stole and i really noticed the first time in the bar okay their teeth look like they have been swilling coffee 16 hours a day for the last 50 years yeah exactly and these are not pretty creatures we're not trying to and you can even make like a pretty ugly creature like i would argue the alien the xenomorph is a pretty ugly creature like gorgeously ugly yeah yeah Yeah. this is distractingly at worst maybe annoyingly at best ugly and they definitely put some time into the the head aesthetic of these characters and their teeth yeah and why are their teeth yellow okay so played out because they eat so much human flesh or because of this, but the only thing that we see them consume is that green beer. <laughs> so why aren't their teeth <laughs> green? Yeah, exactly. And like in this movie, that is a landslide, an avalanche of shit. Yeah. This is a snowflake among that. Yeah. Right. It's nothing. Yeah. But I, man, it, it, I definitely started to notice at the end, I was going to actually say something. I was like, man, their teeth are like pretty awful. But yeah, all the, you're right. All we see them drink is is consume is the is that the green the green beer cosmopolitan or whatever they're drinking. I mean, there's two really overplayed things in this, and that's <clears throat> the use of the word leverage, which I know we're going to get into. Yeah, and rats, and neither one of those have any bearing on most of the characters' look. Yeah, no. You would think that somebody that I mean, and they obviously because the teeth are so gross. And stick out to both of us and are clearly on display. Mm-hmm. There would be some backstory about why. Maybe, I mean, if you're going to do ugly aliens, then a lot of times a common trope is what we see as humans is ugly, where aliens recognize as beauty. So maybe the more yellow your teeth are, the more human skins you've consumed, and that is a badge of honor on your lapel of anti-humanity. 
Not in this movie. You're doing a lot more thinking than this n- movie deserves. Than no one gave two iota. I know. Of. I hate yeah. it. But like, ugh. I know. It's it's it really took what what didn't work in this movie, which was the whole thing. <laughs> there was a few moments that might kind of worked, and that every time just took me right out of it. I couldn't but look at John Travolta's teeth every time he sneered seventy five thousand times in a Dutch. Crooked camera angle in this movie. Well, let's talk about his introduction. Who is responsible for allowing this man animal to run around unsupervised? The man animal shot the wranglers. I'm a little pressed for time. Why don't you save the going away jokes for later? No more jokes, sir, I swear. The man animal somehow got a hold of his gun. Really? Show me. Sir. Reach for the gun. Sir, I might get shot. Sure, you might. And I might suddenly grow a third arm. But sir, I swear it shot the Wrangler. Oh, file today still has my name on it. And you are out of your skull bone if you think that I'm going to write on the report shot by man animal as the cause of death unless I see it. If I obey your command, I may get killed. And if you don't, it's a certainty that you will be killed. Reach for the gun. This scene is bananas because, <laughs> first of all, they call the, the these the humans us man animals, which should have just been manimal. Yeah, uh, maybe they couldn't because of the show manimal. <laughs> <Right>. And he's trying to prove to this guy. So there's there's a dead one because Barry Pepper shot one Johnny Goodboy Tyler, and he and and he's he says I don't believe you. Have him hold the gun again. And this guy's pleading with him, sir. I'll be shot. I'll be killed. And I'll kill you either way. So they hand him the gun. What does he do? He shoots the guy. <laughs> right. And I guess he's like, oh, I guess he wasn't lying this time. Again, introduction to our bad guy. And we try to establish a couple things screenwriting wise. He's strategic. He's yeah. ruthless. And his will is unbending and omnit- omnipotent in the expanse or... Um, use of his power mm-hmm. who cares exactly who cares who cares so then president cyclo shows up to denver to kind of gauge the progress that they're doing and we find out amongst the miasma of what we dare call the plot <laughs> is that they they're, they're mining gold on earth and whenever they find these reservoirs or these pockets they go send the man animals to go harvest and mine gold for them yeah, that's what they want. That's their need in the story. Want need, want man, uh, man. I'm going animal now. Mm-hmm. Uh, need gold. That's the cyclo character arc. <laughs> but this president cyclo comes and they get into a whole thing. And Travolta's trying to get off Earth. He hates it. Uh, uh, there's just so many throwaway lines about how Earth sucks and is disgusting and it's too bright and green outside. <laughs> and he's he thinks he's getting on the same ship with this guy and he's going back, but they sign him up for more tours of duty. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. I, I don't know if I could have kept my sanity to be here another five cycles. We've decided to keep you here for another 50 cycles. With endless options for renew. With endless options for renew. With endless options for renew. <laughs> 
So if you've been cursed with 50 cycles and there's three echoes, does that mean it's 150? Yeah, you're screwed. And that's how every line is delivered by these Vulcan-like characters in this film. (laughs) Give the Vulcans more credit. And, okay, so... But then real quick, the reason for his 50-cycle tour of duty now is in a throwaway line that if you blink or turn away, you miss it. That he had some type of inappropriate relationship with the higher-up's daughter? Ooh, did you catch that? I did. Never to be talked about again. Yes. <laughs> Insert clandestine mm-hmm. ribaldry. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Gold's questioning. Like, you might put, like, these, these interplanetary creatures need gold. <clears throat> no explanation as to why, yeah. but I will give it to you. Yeah. Hubbard. Yeah. Okay had quite the fascination with alchemy and, in fact, gold. Mm -hmm. And as much as this movie tries to devow itself of not being inspired by the inner machinations of Scientology, it's pretty pretty obvious. Clearly (laughs) obvious. So there you go. That's why. Um, This is courtesy to Leah Rimney and every episode of that show of hers that I watched, which was truly frightening. Mm -hmm. God bless her. Yeah. And um, to sane, sane thinking. Tom Cruise? I guess. <laughs> I sent you the video, yeah. and I hope you put it on the Insta this week. <laughs> so I'll try. And again, not to be offensive to anybody and your station in life, but um, I'm just going to call a spade a spade here. That bit is ripped directly from some of the strange motivations that Hubbard seemed to align himself with. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I would just ask you not to get into his philosophy or his psych ecology the cyclos what would those interplanetary species have to do with it like even if it was nothing as we use it as gold to smelt it down as energy like there's just no explanation never told to us that's such a stupid stupid fixable mistake yeah they want it for to sell it for something to use it as a resource to making (sighs) how ships at weapons out of gold i don't yeah i know i like gold (laughs) Right. I mean, Treasure Sierra Madre this, like maybe even Travolta's using that. What's his name? Terrell. Terrell's using that gold to buy off the senator and get his place back into society on Cyclo instead of in the exiled Earth. They're just... Well, he's not... We just need gold. He's not meant to be here. He was made for a greater purpose. Mm. I can assure you that I was not groomed since birth. To have some cushy job that even a moron like you could perform while you were still learning how to spell your name i was being trained to conquer galaxies to do anything less is a disgrace to my entire family line there's two actors he's one of them and nicholas cage is the other that when they that when they go there yeah i gotta i guess applaud them they fully commit and they go there. Whereas any actor would just be like, man, I'm I'm dialing this down. This isn't like a stage play of Battlefield Earth. I'm just going to kind of try to keep it low key. So it's already ridiculous. It doesn't need to be more ridiculous. But like that delivery is just, it's bananas. Okay, so I'll, I'll beat you with that. <laughs> and tra- to Travolta yeah. for overacting and doubling down on absurd dialogue. There's at one point where, like, I said the line before he said the line because it was so clearly coming. With the bartender. I'm not your friend! (laughs) Sneer, yellow teeth, Mm -hmm. demise. So he's all in. 
Um, and I guess I can give him a modicon of respect for respecting your craft enough to do it well if you're going to do it. Maybe if you know you're going down with the ship, you're like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going out on to, uh, as, as hard as I can. Well, untruthfully, like what is one tempered response going to do to this film? Yeah. I mean, go. Just yeah. go. It's so over the top. <laughs> like what the wrestler before he goes out on WWF is going to say, yeah, no, no war paint today. Yeah. Just come on. Mm-hmm. Just, I guess go. So then, yeah, Johnny Goodboy Tyler, like assumes some type of rank of higher authority within the man animals to kind of like help everyone work together, share the food. So they kind of pick him out as leader of this group and then they start this is crazy they just start like teaching him the ways of cyclo and all this stuff and this crazy bit where they try to find out like what their favorite food is oh god this bit <sighs> yeah this is like 10 15 minutes they so that he so that terrell and what's it, kel yeah can get leverage an important <laughs> word in this movie yeah and an important word in that religion yeah over the manimals, man animals. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in a scene that they don't really, okay, so Johnny Goodboy, you know, I'm surprised his last name wasn't Crawford, actually, JC. <laughs> Honestly, I'm yeah. really, it's, I'm surprised. Yeah. That's how on the nose this is. They send him to Aspen. After they let him escape, watching him run up against a fence in the caves he was using to escape. They decide and give us no explanation or rationale or any bit of story after he's already been recaptured to let him go so that they can watch him ready for this. This is truly what the story plots are. Watch him consume some food. That way they can use that food to gain leverage over him going forward and in so doing control he and his factions rebellious nature and shape that towards mining gold (laughs) oh my do you want a drink have a drink i am god that's the plot of the film (laughs) and rats the funny thing is is in the pursuit of the desired meal he just eats the first thing he can find yeah you and i both said well why don't you put out a whole slew of food and then instead of having to chase them down through the beautiful Aspen Mountains, you can just cut to the chase and be like, here's a bunny. You can choose one thing. Here's lobster, here's steak, here's whatever you want to put on there. Hummus, whatever you eat. I don't know. Salad, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then just replicate that. Yeah. You don't have to go through this grand chase because story, story-wise, I could see like, oh, the chase is fun to watch. It's actually not in this no, movie. Yeah, it's pretty, he just shows up in, is it a, like a cave and eats a rat? I thought it was like a mall or something. Oh, yeah, it is a mall. Like a shopping mall. Yeah, just eats it and he's eating it raw. These heathens. <laughs> so much laughter. It, it, it's funny about it because it is like 15 to 20 minutes of the movie is this whole sequence of like sending them on this rat quest to come back. And then so he's been chosen now. And because he's going to be the leader of their mining operation. And in the scene, I know you're looking forward to talking about this, but we just got to talk about how ridiculous this hologram is. I I don't know. Bright Nation out there. I don't know how you can hold back the laughter in this sequence right here. Excuse me, but I am your instructor. If you will forgive such arrogance, for I do not have the honor to be a cyclone. 
I am but a lowly Klingo language slave. As you are listening to me, I most likely do not exist, as we may have been exterminated, like many other races, by the gas drones of our conquerors. Please forgive my pretension as I try to educate you in <laughs> Good Christ. <laughs> This PS2 thing jumps out of the thing. PS2. And when he starts talking, you're just like, excuse me, I, I would like some more, please. Yeah, exactly. Oliver Twist as Hammerhead from the Cantina in Star Wars. Mm. That's what you have here. <laughs> right? That's exactly what he looks like. But not a bounty hunter. Oh, my God. Yeah. To teach him the knowledge of Cyclo and like this machine that just shoots it all into his eyes and now he can talk it. He knows. Well, I guess he learns about euclidean geometry and he learns about every aspect of education and we as an audience also learn a little bit more about the inner machinations of hubbard <laughs> the e-meter yeah yeah the auditor yeah. and the recording of your confessions to then be used as leverage against you should you want to leave the religion i'm not kidding mm -hmm. so the e-meter in the real world is essentially a lie detector yeah you can go back to when that was developed and how Hubbard got it, but it ties to like the late 50s, early 60s. Here's a question they'd ask you. Did you take Benadryl last week? Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and the idea on this would be the readouts from the person who was monitoring it, a.k.a. your auditor mm -hmm. or teacher, Yeah. who then was recording and taking copious notes of all of your deepest, darkest sins yeah. for leverage in real Scientologist terms is being played out right before your eyes. Now, it's a bit more positive in this. The spin in the Church of Scientology is this helps you move to a more karmic or elevated eightfold path of Buddhism state and conquer your previous fears so that your soul is cleaner, blah, 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 blah. Okay, confession in a sense. In this film, it's let make you smarter so you can know how to mine the gold. Which you said perfectly. If you have a rebellious faction on your hands that you're trying to use as slave labor. Who's tried to escape like four times up to this point. Why in the hell would you give them the, secrets the backstory of your, of your society? Yeah, I don't know. They teach them how to fly in that flight simulator sequence. I mean, has no one on set ever seen... Um, oh my God. Um, <laughs> what am I... Uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. Brainwash him. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't I think of that? My Lord. Yeah. Barely even in one drink. I know you don't, you're not a big fan of that, but th that's. I'm not, but there's, I mean, there's, there's a history that you could easily call on here. It's a masterpiece compared to this. Clearly, you like <laughs> Hammerhead from the Cantina and you used him. Why don't you use, so don't use that in that weird sense. Use it to trick him into doing your bidding. It makes no well, and, they, and why does he need to know Euclidean geometry? Yeah, I don't know. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Who And so what? I guess that teaches them how to use the mining equipment because then I almost called him Kratos. Uh, Marcos. <laughs> Kratos. No, Carlos. Carlo uh, is teaching them in the hold of the ship when they're flying to Pike's Peak, I guess, to mine for, for the gold. So then this is entirely... Well, I want to remind everybody that this started off mm -hmm. as Johnny Goodboy, whatever the hell his name was, Nate. Quest for food. Mm -hmm. That's what this started off as. And now we are mining gold using the E-meter. <clears throat> and we're, we're not even quite finished yet. Yeah. That's a long way to go halfway. Th this is the midpoint in the film, mm -hmm. sadly, because I looked over at you and like, how much longer does this have to go? Yeah. Ugh. So they, they make a quick stop to Washington, D.C. 
to learn about the the res uh, the gold reservoirs of Fort Knox and read the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> they read the Declaration of Independence for good measure. Yeah, and something obviously happened to Earth because it's been wiped out by all these nuclear weapons and all these nuclear stockpiles and everything. But they find the gold supply uh, to to give to the Terrell. Terrell, yeah. Terrell. T E R L. Terrell. It's not a, that's a kind of a common name in sort of some ways. It's not even an alien name. Now, was this part of the the, the plan too? Did they? Because they're only supposed to fill half of the cage with gold. Were yeah, they, why half? Because I think I thought too John, heavy. I thought Johnny Goodboy Tyler. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe too heavy. But then I thought he said we're gonna fill up half. And we're gonna give to him, and then were they hiding another half for like their society? I thought that that was discussed, and I don't know what they were going to do with gold because how's gold that of any economic value in this depleted society? Right, and then the other part of that that's just nonsensical is the gold they're mining is from the rocks. It's mm. like a it's like a ribbon of gold through the rocks. So you have to dig that out using Euclidean geometry, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and then smelt it down into gold bars. Equipped with the serial number and a stamp that says at. <laughs> I, come on, man. I know. The, at this point, no one gives a damn anyway. You don't need to stick to actual hard history and have <clears throat> the Fort Knox gold reserve in Texas come into play after you've just made a quick jaunt to D.C. Just leave it. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I know this. Yeah. There's a mint in Denver. Just use the mint that's there. They have a store of gold in Denver. Yeah. Why are the are you going to Fort Knox? <laughs> you're so dumb. Not you. Yeah. You're not. You're a genius. I'm a little dumber after watching this. Very handsome. Too. Yeah. Thank you. Beard's looking good, dude. Thank you. Um. Again, we could say okay, that's a deal breaker for the film, and truthfully, there isn't a deal maker. So this is a nitpicking. And picking this very, very low-hanging fruit. But what? Oh, God. Texas. Let, oh, yeah. oh, no, wait. Hang, hang on a second. Well, this is why Mad Max Fury Road is a much better ah. film. Because what they're after in that is, well, the mother's milk the, for the female birthing. But also water. And the seeds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, much simpler resources to build around a society. Gold literally does nothing. If the world ever goes to hell, you know what the first thing that doesn't matter is money. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And nobody figured that out except Hubbard couldn't get past himself. Yeah. And what I didn't know until you told me today mm. in the book, and it's not Dianetics because the guy has quite an extensive library of plays and stories and short stories that were all adapted into stage like presentations in his little cadre. This is the first 400 pages of how long a book? And do you know which a, specific book? A thousand page book. Well, Battlefield Earth. That's it's the, the title of mm-hmm. that. Oh my God! There's another 600 pages in that. This story? was supposed to be a two-parter, but as you can tell, there was never a two-parter after this. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. because yeah, a simple scene would that would have fixed that just to sour mash that a bit is what you mentioned earlier. Is if they just told us what they were using the gold for, maybe I could understand why it's so important. We're spending so much time mining it and stealing it and housing it and and all of that. But in between, there's this crazy, interesting dare you call it power struggle taking place between uh, Forrest Whitaker and John Travolta at this time. And they're both trying to, I guess, get leverage upon each other. And there's this, all this 
back and forth and in between about filming stuff in this room that you're not supposed to film in. And I guess Forrest Whitaker broke the rules and filmed one day and catches Travolta essentially creating treason with whatever he's going to do here. And this, this, is just, this is just brilliant. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't shoot me. I made a copy and gave it to someone for safekeeping. You are just too good of a teacher. <laughs> How about giving your old teacher a clue as to who this might be? You insult yourself, sir. You know you taught me better than that. How the hell am I supposed to know who it is? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could be anybody on this damn planet. It could be a mechanic. No. It could be a concubine. No, 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 no. It could no. be anybody in the communications office. Wrong. <laughs> I hate these things. I, I feel like, like it's a test that I'm not prepared for. Well, hell, it could even be... A friendly bartender! Dun, dun, dun. He pulls this head out of like like an, an armrest in a chair because Forrest Whitaker's upset that he's like a clerk in the and the hierarchy of Cyclo. <laughs> he wants to be the security officer. He wants to be head security, and he wants the gold for himself. Not planetary, which I think is like governor mm-hmm. or president. He wants to be head of the FBI. Yeah, because. Travolta, after he serves his, was it 50 years with three echoes? So 150 years of re-upping for another round, another tour of duty. He'll eventually get to take it over. Okay. I guess the whole point in this is we are, again, letting the audience know. Terrell Mm -hmm. is so smart and so strategic. He's three moves ahead of you all the time. And he shoots his hand off. And this is kind of weird, too. Mm. With very little pain, that's going to be kind of a consistent thing in this film yeah. among the cyclos. He takes it like a champ. He just blasts his arm off, and it's just like oh. cauterized upon contact. Yep. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I would even like to say that their like weapons and their technology are interesting, but that's not even unique. They have ray guns. Yeah. That are set to stun early the, in the film. That blow off appendages of other people, and then they just knock the man animals like 50 feet into the air. So Star Trek, right, had set the phasers to stun? Yeah. Or set set mm-hmm. the photon gun, whatever, it's phasers, yeah, set mm-hmm. the phasers to stun. Mm-hmm. These guns that the cyclos use have the same capabilities. You just turn a little dial on the side, and you can go to death, six months in the hospital, or stun, I guess. And we're at the beginning of the film on stun as we watch the horse survive and some of the other things that just get stunned. But they shoot those cows. (laughs) But then, yeah, with some of the other things we watch. And that's what's weird is we won't quite show these cows getting just vaporized. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pose you a question. Okay. If you shoot someone in there vaporized, how much blood is there? Probably a lot. Or none. Because they just disappear. Yeah. Ash. Right. So... Either way, you're missing two cool opportunities, a really gory bit or to show the audience how awesome your technology is. But instead, they didn't we'll just... show that guy's head get exploded either when he put the collar on him. So in between all of this, Terrell has found Johnny Goodboy Tyler's wife who left the village. She was she was fed up with the elders too. <laughs> yeah. To come find him, gets captured. So Terrell's going to use her as leverage against Johnny Goodboy Tyler to go about his gold operation. Leverage. And puts this exploding collar. That's going to come back in later. 
But I think it's time now. It's time for this resistance. You know how much I love that mm-hmm. to make a stand. So they make a quick trip to Texas, where they find all these fighter jets. You went to the bathroom during this scene. You missed so much. <laughs> they found this uh, hangar of fighter jets, totally fuels not to not disintegrated. They're fully ready, ready to fly. They find uh, some nuclear arsenal in there as well and a flight simulator so all the man, man animals can learn how to fly f- f- fighter jets in about an hour. In about an hour. <laughs> Thank God because we couldn't take much more of the film. So then they stage this crazy insane and I, I don't think it had really been established other than maybe a throwaway line that you'll miss but there's like this dome I guess that's like over Denver. Or- okay, so you were in the bathroom when this line oh, got mentioned okay. and it was them hatching this plan to trick the cyclos to come into the dome below the dome. And then they wouldn't be able to breathe the oxygen that the dome then does not provide. Cause it would have been yeah. released. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Okay. Solved. <laughs> right. This dome that I, I was like, I was like, where's this dome? Biodome. Have we been in a dome the whole time? That's a good question. So then you get a miasma of just, other than the fire looking okay, really shoddy CGI of fighter jets and explosions and cyclo battling with the man animals, all to no real consequence or avail. avail. Mm-hmm. And Travolta is even absent for most most of this of this end sequence until the end when he gets like a showdown with Johnny Goodboy Tyler in a ridiculous miasma of fisticuffs where he puts the exploding collar on his arm and he somehow didn't feel that or see that to then press the I'll I'll let the film do it for us where's the rest of my gold I'll exchange it for my woman's life I know my life is over but surely hers is of no consequence to you thanks for reminding me rat brain now where is it trust me nothing I want more. <laughs> Boom. Arm gone. Takes it like a champ. You're right. These uh, cyclos, man, if they lose an appendage. And maybe this would be interesting, too. Maybe they have the capability of growing it back. That's never told to us. I'd be flipping out if my arm was blown off like that. And he's just like, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Kind of feels around for it for a minute and squeezes a bit, and then on with the story we go. So I guess the grand plan of the man animals was to take these nukes from Texas and use uh, the Cyclos trans or uh, teleporter to teleport a sh- the the Cyclos ship and a nuke to planet Cyclo, which I guess is a planet that's somewhere in the distant galaxy. Mm. So one of them has to make the sacrifice. He goes and they blow they blow up all of planet Cyclo. Nukes are only like a nuke in Texas would probably just like take out like maybe like a city and like a, the surrounding areas. This thing takes out the entire planet. It's the gaseous nature of Cyclo. I have to ask you a question because I didn't understand this. Yeah. How the hell did that nuke get back on Cyclo? Or no, they teleported. They have a teleporting machine. That's how President Cyclo was able to get to Denver. Oh, so they tell it. I missed mm-hmm. that. Yeah. They teleported the nukes to Cyclo with the guy and the trigger and mechanism. He pressed it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. But disintegrated the whole planet. So I want if you blew Okay, so the film wraps up. Johnny Goodboy Tyler's reunited with his wife and they lock up 
John Travolta and Fort Knox because we didn't have enough Fort Knox yet. King Midas, like, housed with all his gold, yes. just took bars between him and the gold in his little jail cell. I wouldn't trade back your gym for all of King Midas' silver. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dodgeball. Right. And he's in, he's in there, and he's like, he's like, why don't you just vaporize me? Because of leverage. Because the Cyclos are going to hear. How are the Cyclos going to hear that you're keeping him in hostage when you just disintegrate their entire pot? There's no more Cyclos left. Well, and the stupid thing about it, he shows like the tapes that he has in the auditing process with the E-meter. I mean, oops, uh, the cameras that they have on their buttons. <laughs> and he's going to send that back to Planet Cyclo. That's like going to the bar and bragging to the cop that you just robbed a bank. That is so stupid. Mm -hmm. But again, we had another 600 pages, so we had to get into the middle and second act, third act of the film or story. Mercifully, this doesn't choose to go there because the funding wasn't there. Because mostly <laughs> they put $40 million in their pockets. It was fraudulent funding. Mr. Was it Samha? What was his name? Whatever. Yeah, franchise pitchers. Any, yeah, franchise. I'd like to know what the second book, but I kind of I could care less at the same time. But I don't know why they're so worried at the end about Cyclo coming for repercussions if they're no more. So let me leave Rye Nation with the sum total of all our events. The savage, rebellious group has still not found any food, but they've been reunited in a more industrial place on what's left of Earth, which would then speak to them not being any more food there either. Because, you know, usually when you destroy your natural resources, there goes the food along with it. Steel has a tendency to do that, right? John Travolta, Terrell, is locked in a cage amidst his vast stores of gold in Fort Knox. And Johnny Goodboy, whatever the hell his name is, and his girl, which I don't even know if we get her name, but she was the one that they used as leverage with an exploding collar around her neck that then was put on John Travolta's arm to blow off and was removed entirely too easy. Like, I don't know why they didn't just do that earlier. And that's where we leave it. I guess brighter days are ahead. One of the Cyclos colonies has been destroyed and we are back to the singular and most important pursuit of resources in the guise of food. Mm -hmm. How's that? Yeah, that's the, that's the end. Fade the hell out. No. No screen wiped the hell out. Right. Because <laughs> those are effective. Angular screen wipe to fade out. All right, let me read a couple things here. Okay. Winner of nine Golden Raspberry Awards, which those of you out there that don't know, the Golden Raspberries are given to the like worst films of the year. It held the record. It took it from Showgirls. Mm. And then it was voted the worst film of the 2000s in 2010. Yeah. Holds a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, so someone gave this, one or two critics gave this a positive review, and they shouldn't probably have jobs anymore. <laughs> right. I got to read some of these reviews from you. This is going to be great. Roger Ebert, taking this is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely <laughs> bad. It's unpleasant in a hostile way. Uh David Bleer, who uh, he works for TLA Video and DVD Guy. This is disjointed, tedious, and every bit as bad as its reputation. I love John Stewart's review uh, that he did on The Daily Show, describing it as a cross between Star Wars and the smell of ass. 
Uh, Rita Campley of the Washington Post, a million monkeys with a million crayons would be hard-pressed in a million years to create anything as cretentious as Battlefield Earth. This film version of L. Ron Hubbard's futuristic novel is so breathtakingly awful in concept and execution, it wouldn't tax the smarts of a troglodyte. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's, man, that's, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's something to bad films. It, Matt, did you find this film? And then we'll kind of get into some ratings and questions and stuff. Did you find it tedious while watching, or did you find any type of comedic enjoyment from the miasma of awfulness? I think you and I had a couple moments that were laughing, um, or laugh-worthy, and mostly it was dialogue stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I found this to be quite tedious. There are some bad movies like Showgirls yeah. that I can just watch and laugh. Plan Nine from Outer Space, sure. Um, Monos Hounds of Fate, yeah. um, some of those other ones, right? Yeah. No, this was quite tedious I because that- it's the lack of self awareness mm-hmm. that just becomes such a burden for the viewer to bear. Sure, and oh I think it, it's, it's it's almost two hours. That's a problem too. Yeah, it's like thirty minutes to an hour too long. <laughs> I mean, an hour and 55 minutes An hour and 55 long. minutes too long. Yeah, that's, I had never seen it, but I was very well aware of its reputation and being involved in Scientology and just being just terrible. Yeah. I can honestly see why no one would want to make a sequel to this, especially even though if franchises own pictures are just like, we can't do a sequel to this, even if we fraudulently pad the budget. Uh, okay, this is going to be interesting to do. Uh, Matt, what's your favorite tasting note of Battlefield Earth? <laughs> You know, I hadn't considered it, and maybe I'm, I shouldn't say this because maybe I'm going to steal yours, but I thought you brought up something that was really good earlier. I'm going to have to say, although it's not a singular moment, I'm going to do like a bundle of them together. Okay. And it is the absolute dedication that Travolta shows into being this character. Watching this man literally implode his career on screen yeah and having either the lack of self-awareness or the balls yeah i don't know what it is sometimes those are the same thing to see it through to fruition the way he does is an a monumental endeavor in my opinion so i'm going to give it for a sum total of all of travolta's performance in this film yeah it's Awful, but it's consistently and all-in awful. Okay, it's consistently awful. Yeah. It doesn't try to be one or the other. Right. I'm gonna go for a scene. And I can't. I, we just there's just too much to talk about, and it, the whole film's just like a stream of consciousness. We forgot to talk about this scene. It might be my favorite scene because it makes zero sense to the plot of the film. Is the inclusion of his wife Kelly Preston as another cyclo, who he's doing this so that they could have a like a nice house on planet cyclo when he's able to leave. She has leverage on him with something. I don't know, but I fully understood the commitment to franchise pictures in that one seeing speaking to actors, passion projects and also catering to actors wishes of, Hey, I want to include my wife in this scene. Like I get it. That's why you go to franchise pictures to get a movie made. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And Kelly Preston is sort of the concubine with quite the tongue in this film, and mm-hmm. I guess uses it to the detriment of all male species. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, she's all in too. And, and God, Kelly, what happened? Really? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, this should be fun. What's your scene of the film? I mean, take your pick, I guess. I think the beginning 45 seconds has the scene that just set me up for what? And that was, oh my God, Barry Pepper's dad dies. His sort of pseudo girlfriend tells him that he's been called to the gods or they've taken him or whatever that line is. And you get that very terrible. I don't believe he's sad for a second. Slow motion, tight on mouth, the best of anime saliva from tooth to tooth in front of the camera. No. And that's the whole movie. Not centered, slow motion and overwrought with nonsense. I think mine has to be the use of the Dutch angle. I read that the director wanted to do that because that's what they do in comic books. And first of all, I'm like, dude, have you read a comic book? It's not all slanted and twisted like that. Right. Everything's very well centered for the most part. Yeah. It's a director using a cinematic or a camera technique that I don't think he understands why it's used in film and then just literally used it in every shot. Every shot. And I don't think I've ever seen that type of commitment to a certain type of shot before but all in all in yeah exactly all right matt who's the master distiller on battlefield Earth? I, I worked tirelessly to find somebody that wasn't so off-putting in the film yeah. and i will say this yeah with what he's given to work with i actually think forrest whitaker's understated version of a cyclo is the best okay there's not i mean we're talking about yeah yeah lipstick on a pig mm-hmm. but Forrest Whitaker was the less off, the least off-putting character for me in this <clears> full <throat> film, so he gets it by, I guess, default. <laughs> he gets it by default. And who else is there? Oh, I know. What do I do? Uh... Can it, before you answer, yeah. There's a lot of like rough and tumble, savage people they could have used to play protagonists. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe it's because everybody else passed, but like. Would Barry Pepper be anybody's first choice for that role? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just not. He's not rugged. I don't. Anyway, sorry. I going. don't know if I can pick a master distiller because I don't know if anyone wins in this scenario. Like the financier didn't win because they didn't make their budget back and they got sued and later went bankrupt. This kind of killed Travolta's career. I've never heard of this director before. Barry Pepper, other than showing up in some of the films past that that you like. Never like leading man material like this, I guess, was his one shot and it was went to the dogs. Maybe that's how they sold him. I guess. What about the score? What did you no, it was a very forgettable score. I'm going to play a little tune of it here and it's it's so forgettable. I guess I, I think it's interesting that it's cool. Denver gets some love. Okay, Denver. The I'm going to go with the city of Denver, but not as depicted in this film just because I like the city of Denver. <laughs> found something. I found something. Matt, what kind of rating are we going to give uh, Battlefield Earth? We have Rock Gut, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. How could we not go anything but Rock Gut? I, yeah, of course. I think the whole <laughs> cast is sort of designed for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst movie without question we've ever covered on this podcast is Serenity. Mm. What I want to try to make my peace with now is, is this worse? Serenity is at least coherent for half of the film. Right. Mm -hmm. And the performances aren't so absurd that. You just said you were, you were disjointed from the first minute. 
Yeah, I mean, for maybe like half the half of uh, Serenity, I was kind of into it. Yeah. So I think this has it beat soundly. Yeah. It's pre- it's pretty obvious. This is the worst thing we've covered ever. Yeah. So there's no less than rock gut, and I'm you know you kind of tease me all the time, like filtered through a pair of grandma's pantyhose sort of thing. Yeah. That would be. It doesn't even filter. It just goes straight through the pantyhose. Ugh, gross. Straight, I don't even know. Straight through grandma. My friends and I back in, you know, high school and in college, we got real into like cult films and like bad films. Tommy Wiseau's The Room is the best bad movie. You'll laugh your ass off from beginning to end. I don't know if I could recommend this for that same type of category. You're kind of right. It was, this was a chore. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I saw it because I knew of its reputation. I don't think I ever need to revisit this ever again. I know you have your top five worst ever. Yeah. Is this the new entry at number one? Is this the worst film you've ever seen? Yeah, this is pretty bad. I think me too. Mm -hmm. Like this movie is garbage. And even Batman and Robin we gave were rocket too and that's pretty atrocious but there's some kind of like redeeming quality whether it's like Clooney or just like the campiness of it all which rest in peace to joel schumacher uh yeah this this doesn't have any of that this is just yeah it's literally it's like you're taking notes in class on euclidean geometry while you're watching and you're just like why Ugh. and the only reason we kept going is because we had to do the episode we would have probably stopped watching like 30 to 20 minutes in. Oh, yeah. Maybe sooner. <laughs> Maybe sooner. Yeah, that's that's Battlefield Earth for you. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, really bad. If you want to know anything, just go look up some clips on it. That, that's all you need to do. Actually, you probably should see this film. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be pleasant. You know, I mean, nor is a root canal, but sometimes it's necessary. <laughs> and so in some ways... I think to appreciate really good, you have to also know really bad. Oh, you have to. Yeah. And I, I, I come from the point of view of, I try to give everything at least one chance, mm-hmm. okay. good or bad. Cause I don't know what, what's going to stick in. Like I might like something that I would never in a million years think of watching. Right. That's not this one though. <laughs> no. So let's get to our nightcap. So I guess that's the score of the film. Yeah. It's nowhere near like the last 10 weeks that we've had. Right. <laughs> really great musical scores. No, that might be one of the, the worst parts of the movie, actually. Uh, okay, we also don't have a nightcap question. We're just kind of keeping this episode pretty loose for a film that also played it real loose with its rules on storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. But I want to do something a little different here. Maybe we can kind of kind of either keep this in the running or return to how we did things. Matt, you and I, we watch a lot of things in between recording episodes, just kind of not related to the episode, but whether it's television or film. I, I, I try and watch five new movies a week. That's just kind of like a goal I set for myself. That's good. Uh, so I kind of want to just talk to you because we've talked about this in between this week too. What have you watched in between the episodes? And I know there's something you watched a little Bonnie and Clyde related. Oh my and God. would you or would you not recommend it? Yeah, so there are two things that I spent some time with this week and both ends of the spectrum. Uh, Perry mm-hmm. Mason, the first episode of season one, Perry Mason with Matthew Reese, who I really loved in The Americans, was fantastic. But the other one that I was really high on, because I like both of these guys, that's Costner and Harrelson mm-hmm. in The Highwaymen. And um, is that, that's a Netflix movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's essentially Frank Hamer and I can't even remember what his partner's name is, but in the pursuit of Bonnie and Clyde. Oh my 
God. <laughs> you know, I think if you're going to tell the story about the cops that brought down Bonnie and Clyde, you have to celebrate either their fine detective work or their policing skills in some capacity that plays in an interesting component for the audience. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty hard on B-Water, mm-hmm. the Bruce Lee story. Like, I thought that was a sham mm-hmm. of what that should have been. Yeah. Like, hateable. Like, I I, mm-hmm. I love Bruce Lee. Love Bruce yeah, Lee. Yeah, he's a fascinating man. And that was not anything but. Yeah. This is worse. The Highwaymen, I got like 68. Rotten Tomato score of 68. I'm not sure. <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> I mean, Harrelson and, and Costner are pretty good in their performance as ex-Texas Rangers because they had been disbanded before they brought Bonnie and Clyde to justice. But that movie is so boring. It's like two plus hours, right? 2.15, I think. And there is enough actual content and action in there for maybe, and this is being conservative or generous, sorry, 40 minutes. It is watching them. Okay, so The Revenant, right? We talked about The Revenant. Mm-hmm. Good view one time, but enough of the human condition as I ponder the landscape of the sky. This is the same thing as I ponder the crevices on Kevin Costner's <clears throat> face and Woody Harrelson's ugly, unkept suit. It's terrible. That movie sucks. So that's a recommend on Perry Mason. And do not watch The Highwayman. <laughs> if you like noir, you're going to really like Perry Mason. Okay. If you don't, you're going to hate it. It's a period piece, but it's pure noir. Um, and I think it could be cool. We'll see how it plays out. It's just the first episode. I think the second one's tomorrow night, maybe tonight, Saturday night, maybe tonight. Did you ever play that game on PlayStation? It was called L.A. Noir. I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that one. Um, but yeah, hard pass on The Highwayman. Not as bad as this. We got through it, but that was an arduous task. Mm. So um, call minus well, well, minus. Well, minus. On Shit. Yeah. All right. What'd you want? Give me, you said five this week. Give me one of them. Yeah. I want, well, one. Actually, of, tell me all five and then do one of them. No, I don't think, I don't think I've made it through five this oh, week. Okay. It's been pretty busy. Okay. But I did tell you, I, I've been in like a real Hannibal Lecter mood oh, yeah. as of late. Watched Silence of the Lambs recently and I just started Hannibal the show. Really good. Um, Mads Mickelson, right? Mads Mickelson. Very talented actor. I we'll do Casino Royale one of these days and kind of, kind of really kind of get into like we had that whole cast plan. I know so we did. This I happened. Know, I know. Yeah, he's great in that, and it kind of follows. It's like pre Red Dragon the book, and then like one a part of season three actually covers like the events of of that book. So I'm re- I'm reading that book now again, which is uh, Thomas Harris has a really unique writing style, and then. Um, the other thing I watched just kind of just kind of in reruns, I've been revisiting the entire fran- the Halloween franchise. So I watched Halloween H two O last night, and it'd been a while since I seen that. But like for a film that series that totally goes off the rails around five or six, this kind of really pairs it back, makes it simple again, gets the cult of Thorn out of there, brings Jamie Lee Curtis back for a, a, a pretty decent approach. I think that new one that came out last, or last year, the year prior. Is still way better than it. that's the best sequel Halloween could have ever asked for. But for this, for what it is, it it's you can tell the fingerprints of Scream on that film though. Oh yeah, and I think Kevin Williamson actually 
ghost wrote or did rewrites on on it because you can kind of just tell in the dialogue it's stuff that they discuss and scream and it's dimension so everyone's got their Mm -hmm. fingerprints in it Mm -hmm. but for a sequel in that franchise you could do far worse it's actually one of the better sequels okay so that was that that was a good review to that but what's up next is halloween resurrection i cannot say the same about that Mm. but we have a new halloween coming though hopefully (laughs) right i mean halloween kills is slated for october and the one I'm really excited about, and I think it's still on sleep for September, is Candyman. Yeah. 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 With the nice poster hanging in the exactly, TV yeah. room. Uh, that's a new addition there. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk about just films not tied to w- exactly what we're talking about. Because I know we watch, we're, we're constantly, as students of film, we're watching crazy stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether for, for, you know, for your class or... Just what you're watching. You burn through TV so fast, it's crazy. But then, like, I'm watching, like, crazy. Like, I'll do, like, a Godzilla film, and then I'll, like, jump across the spectrum. Like, I watched Frankenstein, like, two weeks ago. That's awesome. Colin Clive Frankenstein. Yeah. Which we'll have to talk about that one day, because that film's brilliant. Let's get Antonio to come on for that, maybe. In so many ways. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. This has been fun to, I guess, talk about Battlefield. (laughs) Yeah. And and all its craziness. It's not going to get better in... The weeks to come. Uh, coming up next, we haven't talked about him since week three of Rice Smile Films. I think this is episode 76, this one right now. M. Night Shyamalan's going to return to Rice Smile Films, and in not a great way. The summer box office Hall of Shame will continue from 2008, The Happening. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, The Village, I think, is still palatable as a film, and Lady in the Water is, like, questionable at least. This is where it totally just went off the rails. The idea that Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, and John Leguizamo could make a film together directed by M. Night Shyamalan had to have been at least promising to start. It was billed as his first R-rated film. And a really great trailer. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's about where that stops. Man, we would talk. We were pretty hard on Travolta's acting. Mark Wahlberg's pretty bad in this film. Yeah, that's an interesting one that we're going to get into. Also, I hope next week a yeah. lot because he's had quite the change in opinion in his career lately. Yeah, someone who now disavows Boogie Nights doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, it's like his best film by a mile. Yeah, that's one of the best films of all time by a mile. Well, he's weird too, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. But like, man, he yings and yangs. Like he'll be like he's good in The Departed. I like fear. Do you like fear with Witherspoon? Sure mm-hmm. uh, Boogie Nights, of course. And then he'll just do a 180 and be in like this. Daddy. Oh. Daddy. What was that thing he just with did? Daddy's home or, Daddy, yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get him. Was it Nine Blocks? Was really good, actually. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. He's, yeah, a, he's like a born again Christian. Yeah. And like he's like against violence or right. like overly inappropriate things which is the epitome of boogie nights obviously it's about porn Mm -hmm. but he's amazing (laughs) so right yeah i can't wait to talk about yeah betty buckley's in uh the happening as well as a crazy old woman at the house with killer air (laughs) oh you just already let the cat out of the bag on the oh did i did i spoil did i spoil the movie yep spores plant spores better water your plants buddy i will all right so until next time man i gotta get going (laughs) 
uh, I got to go uh, make my preparations for the battle with Planet Cyclo, and it'll be to uh, disavow any knowledge of this film. I'll just be glad to take these little nodes you've put on me and get off this e-meter because I know you've recorded this whole thing and I've been lying the whole time. Don't <laughs> use it against me. Don't you think too many pe- uh, too many children are on Ritalin? Too many children on Ritalin, Matt. You're you're a glib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That interview with Matt Lauer and Tom Cruise. You got to go look it up on you. It's one of the best interviews of all time. We'll get the other one posted up, which is the video that was never supposed to be leaked. It's like a nine minute segment that gets into the weeds on some of the jargon used with um, his secular, non secular beliefs. It's a good watch. I made a joke to you that, man. You almost kind of have to be in Scientology to, like, agree to, like, hang yourself outside the wing of an airplane. True. I'm the only person who can do this. <laughs> if you show up at an auto accident, you know that you're the only one that can save the day. Oh, my God, Tom. I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Yeah. Excellent. We'll see you all next week, everybody, for some more fun. <laughs> <laughs> everybody have a great week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to leave us a comment at Productions at gmail.com. Battlefield Earth is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, Franchise Pictures, and Morgan Creek Productions. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Why don't you vaporize me?